Hey, this is the Junior Wargamer. Let's listen to my dad and his friend, Dan, talk about getting started in the miniatures wargaming hobby. This is the Veteran Wargamer. The Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. I am joined for episode 70 by friend of the show, Warhammer hobby hero himself, the Lonely Havoc, Dan Hello, Gomez. Hey, episode 70, that's a big deal. That's it's, good stuff. I Thank you very much. Your, yeah. your numbers are around there, aren't they? Uh, I did 50 like a month or two ago. Episode 50, okay. yeah. You're getting yeah. there. You're getting there too. Getting there getting there um <laughs> long long time listeners will remember that i had dan on and we talked about any number of veteran related things and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um as as a fellow veteran you you know that i'm sure you're keeping up with some of the guys that were and gals that were in your units past on the facebook and twitter and other places i'm sure oh yeah like everyone's starting to retire now i'm like all right catching up good good <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was perusing uh I was perusing the Facebook uh not mm. too long ago and a guy that was in Afghanistan with me, one of my dudes, mm-hmm. uh, mentioned that his son had found this thing called Warhammer. Oh, uh-oh. Dominion and wa- wondered if anybody in his friend group knew anything about this sort of thing. Oh, awesome. And as a matter of fact, I do. How how serendipitous? <laughs> and you know, my my thought exactly. I was gonna say that exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, so I thought, you know, word. I've been wanting to do a how to get started in the hobby series for a while on the podcast. Because let's face it, you cannot cover how to get started in the hobby with one hour to hour and a half long podcast episode. And I thought, but you can try. You, we can try. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I thought, who better to have on the show to talk about this very subject than my friend Dan, the Warhammer hobby hero? Yeah. And so, I'm, dude, I'm all about getting people started. Like, that's, you know, in my store. I say my store. It's the store that lets me run around and kind of do whatever I want, and I love them. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of, like, I'm always pushing for new people. Like, we've mm-hmm. got the other people that have been playing. That's well and good, but, like, let's get the new people in there. So, yeah, I'm all about this. Yeah, and, and that store is plug them, baby, plug them. Uh, that is Fantasy Books and Games in Fairview Heights, Illinois. Yeah, I've been to that shop. Um, mm-hmm. Once or twice, not very often. Um, I live about two hours from Fairview. Um, okay, I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I don't get down there nearly enough. We we keep talking about you and me getting together. And getting a game in, yeah. We're going to do it in. one of these days. We're going to have to, definitely, definitely. Life um, happens, I understand. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, was it was it called like Medieval Starship at some point? Uh, I believe there was a separate store that was called that in a separate location. I don't know if it's affiliated with the same uh, group that owns all those other stores uh, that are under the Fantasy Books and Games like umbrella. But um, it was one of the stores in the area. But I I think it's been closed for years and years now. Mm. But anyhow, um, I could I could go on. I, anywho, anywho, and, and again, long long term <laughs> long term listeners of this podcast will know I will pontificate 
about the FLGS scene in Kansas City at the drop right, of a right. hat, but uh, um, let, let's not let's not get down in into the into those particular weeds because we want to talk about getting started, getting started in the hobby, you know, and yeah. and just to just refresh folks, just refresh their memories, um, you know, my entree to the miniatures gaming hobby was let uh, if we're talking about the true genesis was seeing an ad for a product called warhammer siege in, oh. a, in a copy of dragon magazine that's where it started and i thought man this looks really cool and there was this picture of a of a breached castle wall and there are these big they looked like eggs on big long spindly legs and creepy come to find out they were they were eldar dreadnoughts standing in the breach of a castle wall with orcs trying to defend against the yep. you know, defend the breach yep so um and i and if i'm not mistaken you are of a similar vintage in your miniatures wargaming start i like the word vintage to to say that i'm an old person who has been playing uh <laughs> since rogue trader came out like literally rogue trader that's the first edition of the warhammer 40,000 game as probably a lot of your listeners know by now but um that is where i started i was like nine ten years old mm-hmm. my dad brought the book home and it like just absolutely blew my mind dude like it blew my mind so hard i read that book cover to cover like dozens and dozens of times like I just love that book. Every little note in the margin, every little like illustration that had like mm-hmm. something in it, I just captured and absorbed everything like a big sponge, man. I was like all about it, dude. So yeah, I've been playing since like what when did that come out? Like eighty seven, eighty eight or whatever that yeah, was. I, I would have had yeah. it it was Christmas. See, I was in eighth grade, so that would have been Christmas of eighty eight mm-hmm. when I got it. And I believe yep. the actual yep. publication date is actually eighty seven, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because you know, my dad was doing um, fantasy battle, okay, and Warhammer fantasy battle like is the is the the fantasy you know version of uh, you know swords and and all that kind of you know dragons and stuff mm-hmm. of the same game. And then when 40k came out, like it, Warhammer had just been doing the fantasy thing and hadn't yet gone into the sci-fi realm, right? So all the stuff that they came up with, of course, it's it's like. Um, it's derivative of a lot of uh, of a lot of other things, right? But it mm-hmm. just hit like just the right notes, dude. Of like scary, the grim, the dark, you know, all that kind of things, and it just totally captured me when I was a little dude, like so yeah. hard. Um, I I need to have another old hammer episode soon, and uh, I, I'm thinking of actually maybe doing a panel discussion, and, and you're do you'll it. be on the short list of invitees to that uh, panel. I'll br- I'll bring my squats. We'll do it. Excuse me. <laughs> and your zotes. <laughs> Squats and zotes. I don't have any zotes. Oh, if I had some zotes, I'd be like my life would be complete. <laughs> actually, on on my stream, I painted a um a squat biker is on a trike actually. Oh, and cool. um, my 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 co-host uh, Andrew Dart, who's another of Warhammer Heroes, he was like, dude, you know how like expensive that model is on eBay right now? I was like, I don't care. I'm just gonna paint it real quick. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. Damn the man. That's it. You know what? It's meant to be fun. I had fun painting it. Boom. You know, there you go. Childhood relived. You you cannot. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat that. You can't beat that at all. Um, no. This this is a huge hobby. We we must admit. Um, Mass massive. There are certain elements uh, who would probably just assume you stick to their version of the hobby. But let's face it. Um, anything from historical, you know, from I think the earliest miniatures, 
you know, in you, the earliest historical miniatures that I can think of, there are actual, you know, there are companies that make cavemen models. Oh, okay. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Australopithecines and Cro-Magnons <laughs> and, and Neanderthals and, and every, you know, every right. variation of hominid you can think of. And, and then, you know, every era of history is yeah, represented. I'd be into that game, like Neanderthals versus dinosaurs. Uh, I, I want to play the dinosaurs, but you always win. <laughs> <laughs> this game sucks. <laughs> Well, we got to wait for the next edition comes out when they introduce the arrow, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then everyone's like, "The Neanderthals are OP now; they got arrows." <laughs> all, all I got is a stupid atlatl. That's <laughs> awful. I'm over here throwing freaking uh, peach pits at this thing; it's not doing anything. What? Uh, yeah, like that's a great point. Like, what's like what's out there, right? That's what we're kind of talking about right yeah. now. It's like people. So here's my thing: I I equate Games Workshop to um dungeons and dragons right when anybody mm -hmm. says hey i play rpgs they go oh like dungeons and dragons mm -hmm. and now i think warhammer or excuse me games workshop warhammer ip has gotten so big that if you say i play tabletop war games you know maybe a good seven times out of ten someone will say oh like what warhammer right because that's right. the name that's out there right now and although they did you know recognize me as a uh, warhammer hero and all these kind of things i don't do exclusively games workshop games or anything like that i um you know they don't put beer in my fridge or nothing so like you know i still do what i do mm -hmm. but um you know there's historical things out there there's uh, my dad used to play um uh zulu wars you know like mm. uh like uh, michael caden movies type stuff you know he played yeah. that and so i grew up with like civil war bros and i grew up with like zulu guys and i grew up with like cowboys indians all kind of different stuff because my dad would just he loved buying minis so from an early age i realized that there was like a whole gamut of like different games and different sort of styles and things that people like to play so it's not hard for any hobbyist to find a game that's going to be relevant to the thing that they're interested in absolutely and you know you've got all sorts of every flavor of fantasy you can imagine whether that is you know your tolkien-esque you know dark ages europe inspired you know, Lord of the Rings type thing, or yeah, yeah. More high fantasy, you know, which is, you know, basically high medieval with dragons, mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. you know... Steampunk. Uh, you know, steampunk's another... Well, I mean, steampunk's great because you can have some kind of science fiction elements, but you also have yeah, some historical yeah. elements, and then it yeah. also kind of melds into Victorian science fiction, so we're talking about John Carter of mm -hmm. Mars, and Thrax, mm -hmm. and white apes, and um rocket oh, ships was, and everything i was i was huge into this game called dystopian wars have you played it i have played it yeah oh man we used to play the hell out of that game we used to play it so much and then the company that has the game kind of like went under and then yeah, somebody spartan, else bought yeah. it and yeah spartan kind of like you know pooped the bed a little bit and so like it, it, it's one of those games where it's a totally different uh you know format it's like little ships on the ocean or floating mm -hmm. uh, ships on the ocean i sound like a lot at Tanaga here, but like, um, you know, like it's it's completely different. So you can get games where you're playing as like a ship or a boat, or you're a guy with a gun, or mm -hmm. you're a dude with a spear trying to kill a dinosaur. I mean, you you can find whatever it is that like floats your boat or kind of ignites your imagination. And I mean, there's so many different games out there, and if you're lucky, they're still even like being supported. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, support for games is another is another issue altogether. Um, I did an episode yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about 
uh, quote unquote dead games. I, I don't believe there oh. is such a thing as a dead game. No, know, no, if, because people you know, will still play it if you have it, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, the thing is, there's like you're saying, not only a single ship, but maybe even a fleet of ships, or yeah, you know, any type of game where you have anywhere from four or five figures that is that's your force all the way up to hundreds of figures, and figure scales range from you know each individual infantryman is two millimeters high all the way up to fifty four millimeters is about the mm-hmm. about the upper limit. Um, you know, some of the more popular. Si- I sh- we should say sizes. They're not actually scales. Um, you know, twenty-eight, scale. 28 30, <laughs> 32 millimeter. Those are all popular. Uh, Fifteen, yeah, yeah. ten. Um, I'm I'm getting into tens with uh, with Warmaster. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Uh, Warmaster's a an older G Dub Games Workshop game where you you have these large units, uh, and a unit will have multiple multiple figures. But, yeah, yeah, I think that's really cool. There's guys doing. Um, I'm following a Facebook group called Warhammer in 15 millimeter, mm-hmm. and it's people that are like 3D printing like Warhammer stuff at like 15 millimeter, like yeah. that small scale, and it's so cool. It looks really cool. Like yeah. I'm trying really hard to ignore it because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, I could do that. Like you could buy a whole army for like 20 bucks, and it's like hundreds of little figures. Yeah. Yeah, I guess stay Absolutely, away from that. That's yeah. dangerous. Um, yeah, and with Warmaster, there's a huge res- there's a huge surge in the last year or so of folks doing uh, 3D printed miniatures in 10 mil for Warmaster. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I will, uh, I, I'm slowly, much too slowly, but I am I am getting stuff painted, <laughs> which is which is big for me. I am getting stuff painted for a Vampire yeah. Counts army. Okay. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I was, I was pretty proud of the. I've got a vampire lord on a, uh, I forget the proper term for it, but it's basically an undead dragon. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, and I also got two units of uh, spectral spectral ghost things. Again, I forget the proper name for them. But... Ghosties, yeah, I like yeah. ghosts. Ghosts are cool. But, uh, Fun yeah. to paint. So if, if, you are, if you are coming to this episode wondering what you can do with the Miniatures War Game and Hobby, I can tell you, because I've done a lot of it, is you can do just about anything you can imagine. You can do anything. Yeah. You can do anything. Anything, um, anything that interests you, like Dan said, uh, whether that's fantasy, science fiction, historical, a mashup of all three of those. And now with 3D printing and the highly talented and highly imaginative folks that are out there that are making files for 3D printing. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Crown Lab, yeah. a, a guy I follow on, <laughs> a guy I follow on Twitter over the last couple of days has released screenshots of a battle llama that he sculpted <laughs> and, and it's writer his it's for an RPG that he's playing in. And his character is this, is this llama writing <laughs> uh, vagabond. And you got to have a battle llama. I mean, yeah. That's just... So, I mean, the thing's got armor on it for crying out loud. And it's, it's totally BA it's, it's badass. So, um, so yeah, literally anything you can think of, um, but I think what we probably ought to do is kind of dial it back and try mm-hmm, to rein mm-hmm. in rein in our imaginations just a touch and find a couple of touchstones that people can go off of. And where sure. Many what, are, people, like, what are the touchstones? What, what many people start with is, quite frankly, a starter set. Yeah. And typically, yeah. a starter set is going to have just enough to get you start playing and, and 
the hobby aspect. So you're going to have a handful of models, maybe a few more than a handful, some mm-hmm. rules, even if they're a rudimentary version of rules, maybe some dice and maybe a measuring yeah. device. And yeah. usually some type of hobby guide, like, Hey, how do you put these together? What do you do for paints? You know, that sort of thing. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the first hop, the first starter set I remember seeing was the Warhammer Fantasy Battle Fourth Edition, mm-hmm. and that had high el- plastic high elves and orcs and goblins. And then shortly oh, thereafter, set. what's that? Good set, yeah. That's yeah, that was a good set. And um, if I'm not mistaken, the next starter set that I remember seeing after that would have been the second edition of Warhammer 40,000, which had orcs and goblins and space marines. Um, always got to have the space marines in there. Always got to have the space marines. Always uh, got to have the space marines. <laughs> so, fast forward to 2021, uh, mm, Games Workshop yeah. is, they are about, or they have released, I guess, the the Age of Sigmar, which is their current version of Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To put it simply, and um, a set called Dominion, right? They've got that coming out, or or it is out. It's and, out, yeah, it's out, baby. And they've got a new set for Warhammer Forty Thousand that's coming out shortly as well, right? Uh, yeah, there's one that has um, was it like Grey Knights and stuff, or something like that in it. Oh yeah, Hex War, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. And Thousand Suns. Yeah, they're 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 just pumping out these sets, man, big time. And but I, th- uh, I think I think they're a pretty good value, typically, because if you like sort of price out the models that you get, mm-hmm. usually the starter sets that Games Workshop puts out are actually pretty good. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about the two faction starter sets is one side is always better than the other one. Mm-hmm. Like they're not very well balanced so far as like the construction of the army is concerned so a lot of times you'll find yourself as a new player once you've built everything put them together and put them on the table and you're learning the rules that you're always losing as one particular side over the other yeah well that, i mean that 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 opens us up to a whole other discussion which i'd be willing to that's have a whole other thing uh, that's a whole <laughs> other thing um I, I i will say this i will say this no matter what game you get into when you're starting out yeah um, when you're starting out, well, let's, we'll put a pin in that. Cause I do have it later on in the, in the notes. Let's, let's put a pin it. in it. Let's we'll pin put it. a pin in that. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll pin it. there are some other things out there from GW. Uh, they've got blood bowl, which is a sports game where you get two teams mm. and they've got multiple, I guess they're called them seasons now where they're oh, coming okay. out with a cool. different, different sets of teams each year. And they've got boosters for that. Um, actually Blood Bowl is pretty well represented at uh, Barnes and Noble stores. Really? I noticed. Oh, yes. Oh, man. I can't read, so I never go to the bookstore, so I don't really. Fair that. enough. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and and GW has all games. That's Games Workshop. They've got plenty of other um, starter sets or games that are based off of their primary fantasy and science fiction IP, which is Warhammer mm-hmm. and Warhammer 40,000, respectively. Blood Bowl is yeah, a yeah, Warhammer yeah. fantasy game, so it's like football, American-style football, with orcs and goblins and undead and lizard men and all that stuff. And it's a pretty fun game. I've talked about it on the show before. Now, there's another company called Warlord Games, and they've got a couple of games 
with starter sets. Uh, one is a World War II game called Bolt Action. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I've heard of Bolt is, Action. That is a historical game. Uh, they also have a science fiction game called Gates of Antares. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have a couple of naval games where your starter sets, instead of including infantry and maybe some and maybe some small vehicles, um, they've got a couple of naval games. One is called Cruel Seas, which is again a World War II game, but it's small small patrol boat actions during World War II. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, and they've yeah. also got uh, they've also got a Age of Sail game called Black Seas. Nice. Which, which yeah. comes with some, you know, brigantines and sloops and three-masted schooners and things of that nature. Uh, sticking in the historical realm, uh, there's a company called uh, Perry Brothers Miniatures, and they have a starter set for the Civil War, which is simply called Battles of the Civil War. So if you mm-hmm. wanted to go, if a guy wanted, or a gal, wanted to go that route there is a starter set there it does include some rudimentary rules in the box along with uh, painting guides um getting a little further afield uh this is kind of a deep cut this is a this is the indiest oh. of indies that oh, i know of deep, that ha- deep cut it get it <laughs> yeah the indiest of indie companies i know that has a starter set with miniatures and rules is a company called ground zero games they mm-hmm. make a starship battle game called uh, Full Thrust. And okay. they have starter sets with uh, two fleets. I think you get seven or eight ships per side. And that's that's a fun set of rules. One thing about Ground Zero games, if you are in the United States or elsewhere in the world besides Great Britain, um, they do not have distributors outside of Great Britain. A lot of times game companies will hmm. have distributors in other countries to help ease the the shipping burden. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Ground Zero Games does not. But I tell you what, at least before Brexit, and I have heard rumor that they are still maintaining their, their stellar uh, shipping times, they ship very fast. It was mm-hmm. the last GZG order I put in, I want to say... I hit send I hit send on like a Monday and then got the stuff the following Monday. Oh wow. That's yeah. fast. That's the yeah, across the pond, yeah. So that and John Tuffley's a, a hell of a nice guy. Um <laughs> there you go. So well, you know what what I've been uh, getting into or I've been trying to get into is Star Wars Legion. Have mm. you seen have you seen Star Wars Legion? Yes and I can't believe I did not put the 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 uh uh Fantasy Flight Star Wars games on my list because Legion is Fantasy one of them. Flight, Fantasy Flight is killing it, and that's another one that has a great starter set that comes with two factions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like when it came out, I was like, "Yeah, I, I love Star Wars. I love it, love it." But I was like, "I don't know about Star Wars." And then they came out with the Clone Wars Legion set, mm-hmm. and I was like, "You, you tell me, I could be the robots." I was yeah. like, "I'm in." You son yeah, of they... a bitch, I'm in. So yeah, I was like, <laughs> "Let me be, so, let me be robots, man." So of course, I bought it. Actually, me and my friend bought, you know, a box each and we like swapped the clones and, and robots and things. But yeah, I mean, comes with everything. Yep. Everything you need is in there. That is a that is a classic. That is a classic maneuver there where you and a buddy both buy the starter set and you swap out the yep. forces you want. Um, yep. 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 Uh, Fantasy Flight is an interesting company, to say the least. Again, that's a that's a whole episode in and of itself. But. <laughs> <laughs> their their handling of the Star Wars IP has been pretty darn good. 
over the last what ten years? I, I'd say I love pretty much everything Fantasy Flight does. To be a hundred percent honest with you, I mean, they're my favorite RPG is the Star Wars one that they do, Twilight Imperium, like their flagship game that kind of got them going. Like, love that game to death. And Legion, I mean, Star Wars the uh, X or Star Wars X Wing, the miniatures mm-hmm. game. Oh yeah. One of my all-time favorite games, of course, you know, they went up to the second edition and I kind of got out of it. But again, that was another game that, you know, you bought the starter set, came with absolutely everything you needed down to, like, you know, the dials and little dice and proprietary dice, by the way. But um, yeah, I mean, Fantasy Flight does a really good starter set. The only thing uh, that the Star Wars Legion box doesn't include is, like, the paints, basically. Right. But the X-Wing stuff was pre-painted, which I thought was amazing. Yep. And same with Armada, which is their fleet battle oh, game, yeah. where you've got oh, yeah. capital ships instead of fighters as your main. Yeah. As your main. I piece. got that. I got that sitting on the shelf, unplayed as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a bad game. It's it's not a bad game. Um, I've got some ideas for it, but anyway, that that yeah, again, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's another discussion. That's another discussion. Oh sure, sure. We we did mention buying you and a buddy buying a set for yourselves and then swapping mm-hmm. out the forces. Um, it's a great way to start. It's a great way to start. It can pump up your numbers and also mm-hmm. kind of gets you, you know, you're kind of forced into picking a side, which one thing that's great about the, the full thrust starters is that I think they've got, they've got two or three and each one has a different faction in it. Or factions. Yeah. yeah. Get two in each. So. Oh, wow. Okay. That's um, cool. And I think the way, the way it looks with, um, with the Indomitus, the the forty k starter set, Indomitus had Space Marines and Necrons in it, and now they're doing a Gray Knights and Thousand Suns. That mm-hmm. that seems to me like they're coming out with multiple starters with right different the factions, sort of different them. factions. Yeah, so there's like more choice. Because, you know, typically, I mean, if we bring it back to, like, third edition where somebody had to play this stupid Dark Eldar that just looked freaking awful. And, like, imagine if you got stuck with that half of the set. How upset you would have been back then. Like, oh, these guys look so stupid. Well, sorry, man. I got the Space Marines. You get to be these uh, bros in tights with spikes all over them. Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) But awful. And and the thing is that that does kind of lead into... Our next point, which was how do you pick the faction that you're going to start hobbying with? What are you going with? Yeah. And, and I That's... would say if you're just starting out in the game or the hobby, I think the best thing you can do is pick the one that you think looks the coolest. Absolutely. The rule Absolutely. of cool, you know, you know, the, the first rule is always look cool in it. And what I mean is something that's going to hold your interest aesthetically. And has yeah. some actual interest for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Case in point, if you're just starting out in a World War, you know, if you're wanting to play World War II, you know, and you're not real sure of your hobbying skills, well, maybe maybe stick with one of those forces that had pretty, you know, just all green, you know? You see, a simple uniform. <laughs> go, go with Americans, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Go, you know, don't, don't go with... Uh, with the German Panzer Grenadiers with their three or four different types of camouflage right. on one, on one right. figure. Cause you're going to go insane. Um, but yeah, pick pick something that's cool. Pick something that's going to be, that's going to hold your interest. Cause really at the end of the day, we're, you know, you're asking yourself to get invested, not only in the money, but also in the time of just sitting down mm-hmm. and doing the mm-hmm. hobby aspect, right? The hobby aspect right. 
is the assembling of figures, the painting and whatnot. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because there's a, a, a pretty large divide, I would say, between people that want to do like a historical game versus people that want to do something that's like fantasy or sci-fi inspired. Because if you really are like into history and you want to like explore like the uniforms and kind of get things right and just perfect then like yeah you're gonna pick something that appeals to you because you want to make it look exactly like you know from history and from your history books but with your fantasy and sci-fi games you're gonna pick something that kind of inspires you to sort of put your own take on it put your own spin on it that's like that's why space marines are so popular in warhammer because you can paint them really any color you want and there's like no wrong answer as far as that's concerned right and and that faction in particular because it's like dudes just head to toe armor you're like oh i want to paint these guys like blue and green with freaking white polka dots and everyone's like yeah that'll be amazing and and the first time you do it it like blows your mind right so that that whole idea that you pick something that is going to speak to you and you can sort of keep your interest with it because it's something uniquely yours i think is super important because if you're picking something based on like what you think is always going to win the game and you're not invested in it, like you don't have a connection with it, like in an emotional way, or you just don't care how it looks, but you just want to win. That's not going to do anything for you. Like once they stop winning, you're like, eh, I'm done with these. Who cares? Right. right? What exactly. a waste. Yeah. And, and I got that, you know, right here in the notes, you know, don't chase the meta and the meta is, you know, what, what the, the killer combination right now yeah. is, right? What's winning tournaments right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is if, and, you know, you as the new hobbyist have an opportunity to to benefit at someone else's meta chase because there are always piles and piles of gray plastic available on eBay for, <laughs> for pennies yeah. on the dollar. Yeah, and um, you can you can snap up some some stuff for not a lot of money because yeah, as long as you think it looks cool and you find it interesting, and you want to paint it. Mm-hmm. Or you want to assemble it? Yeah, man. There's there is there is someone out there right now that is inventorying an army to sell on eBay. Or <laughs> I guarantee it right now, there is someone that's doing that. So yeah. I think that's like a great resource too. If we're talking about getting into the hobby, and if you don't want to spend a lot of money, you can do a little bit of research and find what's the thing that I want to do and kind of want to start with, and then just start trolling on eBay. Start um, if you do Reddit. Um, I actually years ago created a subreddit called uh, Miniswap. Mm. And in the time that I've been gone from Reddit, it's just like blown up and it's got like tens of thousands of people on it right now. And all the time I hear people go, oh, I got this on Miniswap. And I'm like, holy crap, I made that like 12 years ago or something like that. And it's Mm -hmm. just one of those things where people are looking to like just move things like they're just trying to get rid of stuff like yeah I, i'm done with this i it, i don't want it i thought i liked this game or i thought i liked this faction you know I'll, like you said 50 percent, 30 percent, like you know of what they paid for it and the usually the people will take that money that they get from it and turn around and buy something else right so i mean it just sort of like stays in the hobby but you don't have to buy models brand new especially when you're starting out and you're not 100 percent sure what you want to stick with Right, exactly. And I think that's a great point because also if you're not chasing the meta, you're not chasing the latest and greatest versions of a particular model or sure. the latest models to come out. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um one of the you know, again, this is a, a this is an entire discussion for another episode. You know, one <laughs> of 
one of the big complaints about GW right now is that they are releasing these cool sets, but they are saying straight up that they are limited edition or limited release, what have you. Yeah, yeah. Scalpers are getting the pre-orders, and Oof, then yeah. as soon as they come in, they're turning around and selling them at a huge markup. And people that just yeah. want the models. And you see it all the time on you know, my primary my primary hobby social network is Twitter. And I see it on Twitter mm-hmm. all the time. People mm-hmm. saying, I can't afford to be in this version of the hobby. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. It, the, the models that you bought 10 years ago are still perfectly fine. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, you, they are. You don't have to, you don't have to keep up with the Joneses, you know? You yeah. Know, just, just take, you know, and if there's a model that you do want, you know, Hey, if you're just playing friendly games, figure a way to proxy it, you know? And by proxy, I mean, you, you say yeah. you take a model and it you just say it's this other model it's it's that yeah. simple you know this coke can is a dreadnought <laughs> yeah that's that's a classic example right um, you know i i don't have a problem with proxying for people that are like new into the hobby i actually think it's a really good idea because especially i mean no a lot of us don't have ex, like just expendable cash and wads of cash growing on trees and stuff like that i mean my only fans is not doing great i don't have a lot of money so <laughs> like if you're trying to like figure out what it is you do want to actually spend your money on proxy it out like i've seen guys like with like little boxes oh this is a this is a rhino i just it hasn't come in the mail yet or i'm not sure if i want to put it in this list or whatever i'm like yeah cool do it i mean there's some after a while it's like okay you got to stop playing with these bottle caps yeah necrons (laughs) like it's not cool anymore you know what i mean but you know like if you're just sort of like trying to figure out what it is that you want to do proxy some stuff print some things out the original book Oh yes, Rogue Trader. On in the back of it, it had little uh, cutouts. It had little squares that had pictures of Space Marines on it, and they're like, "Play your first game with this. Cut it out. Put it on the table." And I'm like, "Yes, that's amazing. That's the kind of spirit that I think we should still have." And then you know we figure out this is what I like, and now I will go buy the model and build it to my best ability, and paint it green and red and put white polka dots all over it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. I mean, you know, I've said it plenty of times. That there are so many different facets to what we call the war, miniature wargaming hobby, right? And you, yeah, yeah, you alluded yeah. to it earlier with folks that really get into the research on the uniforms and particular battles, etc. You know, yeah. and if, if you ever get into one of the discussion boards for Napoleonic Warfare, they are infamous for getting into really heated discussions. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, really I'll never heated. be on one of those no, boards. <laughs> They get like real... yeah, like legit. If you paint the wrong red on yeah. the model, like they're 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 like looking down their noses at you and pouring yeah, sugar yeah, yeah. in your gas tank. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <awful>. <laughs> no, it's supposed to be scarlet, not guardsman red. What do you? <laughs> what is this crap? Yeah. Oh, so... is that Citadel paint? <laughs> no, that, that's that's an unfair characterization of Napoleonic's players, but you know it's. There are yeah. enough of them of that ilk that <laughs> they kind of did it to themselves. But anyway. Right, right, right. Who made um, the monster? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I think it is one of those situations where, you know, and, and I ha- like I said, I have mentioned this. This is such a huge tent, right, that we're in, this miniatures <laughs> wargaming hobby tent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That there are, there are plenty of folks that all they do is they assemble and they paint the miniatures. You know, that's all they do. They don't they don't roll a single yeah. die. They don't move a single figure across the board. Um, totally fine. Yeah, 
there's, you know, within the old hammer world, you know, within the old hammer aspect of the hobby, that is, you know, Warhammer and Warhammer 40,000 from, in my opinion, generally 95 and, and before, 1995 mm-hmm. and before. Um, there are people that they go out and they look for either sealed or pristine boxes and sealed blisters of figures and they recreate the Warhammer section of their hobby store from when they were kids. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm serious. They there are some wow, folks that okay. do that. There are some folks I, that I've do that. missed out on that, but now I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um <laughs> And I have to, I have to admire their, I have to admire their dedication to their aspect, their chosen aspect of the hobby, and that's definitely mm-hmm. someone who is reliving their adolescence, right? And and yeah. more power to them. And I gotta say, the folks that go out <laughs> on the old hammer boards and they go out and buy a, a blister of vintage figures and then take video of them opening the blisters. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I love that. Yeah, and you know they'll they'll sniff the the stale nineties air out of the, <laughs> out of the blister. And, um, oh, yeah, it smells like lead. Smells like lead poisoning. It's that's wonderful. Right. Yeah. Um, Don't chew on it. <laughs> bad for you. But anyhow, but this so, is what I did when I was young. <laughs> yeah. And then there Which are is people... why I'm trying to recreate the hobby store in my basement because of the right. lead poisoning. <laughs> Oh, um, oh! What then, do we you know, do? You know, there are people that get really into the gameplay. There's the, you know, there's the tournament mm-hmm. aspect. You know, some of these games have a very vibrant uh, tournament scene, and there are people oh, that yeah, get, absolutely. You know, they do the three color minimum and on their models, and that's it, and they make it work. Yeah, and that's good enough for them, and that's fine too. And you know, of course. Right now, we're we're kind of dipping into the gameplay aspect of it, but really, mm. we're wanting to focus on the assembly and, and painting. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Let's say you've you've got your starter set, or you've got enough to get started, and you've picked your faction, and you know what you're doing, or at least you you, you think you know what you're doing anyway. And it comes time to put <laughs> these things together. Now, most miniatures these days from the big companies, most miniatures these days from the big companies are primarily plastic at this point. Oh yeah. Um, gotta be games. Workshop is almost exclusively plastic. Now. Um, they do have a kind of a boutique label, uh, forge world, which does stuff in resin. Um, yep. and they did, well, we won't talk about fine cast. Um, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Let, let's not, <laughs> talk about is finecast even available anymore um no 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 it's way not available sometimes you still find the models obviously because yeah, they're still stock. sitting in a, yeah. a dusty a dusty shelf somewhere with the uh, big holes in them and people are just like nah i'm good yeah <laughs> Pass. um let's see warlord a lot of warlord stuff is plastic although they do have some metals as well um perry a lot of resin oh a lot of resin also yeah um, Perry's, stuff out I there. mentioned Perry earlier. They're exclusively historicals, but they are, they've got some plastics, but they're mostly metal. And they're, mm-hmm. yeah. um, the Legion figures are all plastic. Um, Fantasy Flight had another big fantasy game called Rune Wars, and those are all plastic. Mm-hmm. So pretty yeah. much most yeah. of the figures, most of the figures from m- most of the big companies are going to be plastic. 
Um, some of the ind- most of the independent companies that are out there are either 3D printing in resin, or they are, uh, or they're metal. Um, yeah, plastic injection molding. Uh, getting that set up for a company is prohibitively expensive. Yeah, and in order to make uh, their money back, they have to churn out thousands, if not tens of thousands, of kits. So only right, only the yeah. biggest of boys can can play in that particular field so yeah yeah and e- and even then all the plastics are not created equal like True. you know the the war the games workshop plastic is just a lot easier to work with and mm-hmm. i used to play a war machine in hordes mm. and that plastic is a little more rubbery and gummy and it's difficult to work with even the um stuff from fantasy flight for the legion is just a little bit gummier than the the stuff right. from games workshop so yeah with yeah Gal- it's it's you, you never know what you're gonna get man mm-hmm. <laughs> with with Gal- without getting down into the science and the chemistry of it there are a number of different types of plastics and resins that yeah these models are made out of but generally speaking generally speaking you're generally. gonna want a, a a small list of tools which you can buy at your hobby store, or you can get a lot of these tools you can get at Walmart or uh, a general hobby and craft store like Michael's or Joanne Fabric. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. typically, typically you're going to want an X-Acto knife. And I've got, I've got a, a solo episode that I did earlier. I'll have a link in the show notes where I talked about working with foam board and I spent five minutes talking about the exacto knife and its origins so <laughs> check that out um did you know origins the origins of the exacto knife yes did you know daniel that i did i didn't <laughs> probably i probably did not please go <laughs> the the exacto knife was originally mm-hmm. designed for mm-hmm. use as a disposable scalpel blade for surgery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i could buy that yeah i could buy that yeah now now it typic- was- yeah go ahead Oh, I was going to say, it wasn't brought over on the Mayflower by Ezekiel Zacto. And um, <laughs> he was like, oh, man, I'm gonna, I got to whittle some stuff. And they're like, oh, Ezekiel, you're always trying to whittle stuff. And he's like, well, I'm going to come up with a blade and I can whittle. And then if it snaps, I can just replace it. I actually have surgical blades is what I use in my X-Acto knife. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You got to cut somebody open and you got to put your models together. Like, boom, one tool does it all, man. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And there, there's a surgery connection in one of the products we're going to talk about here in a moment. But anyway. Oh, oh. Yeah. So we got, um, so, you know, a lot of companies too make proprietary tools mm-hmm. that you can also buy in a set. I actually have a uh, army painter, which is a, um, yeah. the, they do paint. They do uh, wet palettes, all kinds of stuff. You can buy an army painter, like model building set that comes with like a little bit of glue, comes with a sprue cutter. A sprue cutter is a very, very handy tool that I recommend that everybody gets. Um, You might be tempted to try to like bend the piece and sort of like turn it until it pops off of the sprue. The sprue being the uh, frame with which all the pieces are built into as they come in the box. Mm-hmm. The sprue cutter allows you to cut those pieces off nice and flat, nice and flush, yep. cleanly. There's not a lot of work involved and having a nice sprue cutter will save you so much effort of cleaning models. So get a sprue cutter. Yes, I've get got it. I've got two. <laughs> I've got a I've got a Games Workshop branded one and I've got an Army Painter mm. branded one. So absolutely. Oh, yeah. which, which one which one works better? 
you know, I, I have not used the Army Painter one yet, so I, I can't really? say it works better yet. So I pretty much use my Army Painter one exclusively because I did get that in one of the sets that I was talking about. That came with like it came with a little Exacto knife, mm-hmm. it came with the sprue cutter, it came with like a little thing of glue, and I mean it's great. And it was like twelve dollars or something like that. Yeah. Like it wasn't a lot of money for all the tools that you'll need. Right. Um, some other things that you might find handy are going to be some files because as your best efforts as they may be with your flush cutters or your sprue cutters, there might be a little nubbin left and you're going to want to clean that up. Um, Also, a lot of times with metal and plastic models, you know, you've got the way they're made is you've got two, two pieces of a mold that slam together and they get, you know, some type of material put in them, whether it's the plastic or some sort of resin or metal. And there's a little bit of a line it's usually referred to as a mold line. Uh, and sometimes there's larger chunks that might be called flashing. And you want to get rid of that. So uh, files, you know, little needle files or jeweler's files. Again, uh, some of these mm-hmm. same companies have their own branded version that you can buy. Uh, they're not terribly expensive. Uh, I mean, you're, you're going to yeah. want a set of files probably. Now, GW Games Workshop makes a mold line scraper. But <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> rather than buy one of those, you can take the dull side of your exacto knife, and it does the exact same thing without having to buy another tool. Um, it's a pretty neat looking tool, though. It is. It is fair enough. I think you, know, you can also. I think you can also open like a uh, beer bottle with it. Um, <laughs> you could you could stab a guy in the solar plexus with it if they attack you. So that's pretty handy. That is. I mean, handy. you could do other. You could do other things with you it. You could. But I think it's it's interesting because um, they make all these tools that are like specific for one reason mm-hmm. uh, for different, you know, for different tasks. And I pretty much use an X-Acto blade for like everything. Like I don't yeah. have files. Like I just scrapey scrape with my X-Acto blade and, you know, cut myself up and, you know, whatever. Giving blood's fine. It's cool. But um, there's... Um, like sandpaper and things like that that sometimes you'll need i really like sandpaper especially if i'm gluing a model flat onto a base Mm. and like if it's got feet you know you kind of put the sandpaper on the table you sort of put the feet of the model on the sandpaper and give it a little scrape so it's nice and flat so sandpaper is super super helpful yeah and also the big question here the big question here man are you a plastic cement guy or are you a super glue guy depends on what i'm gluing so if, I use if, if I am gluing glue for everything. Okay, fair enough. And there are a couple schools of thought here. I I also will sometimes use depending on the, what the model is. I'll mm-hmm, use like mm-hmm. a five minute two part epoxy. Oh wow! Sometimes because um, that's also handy for filling in gaps. You know that invariably mm-hmm. form. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am very much a plastic cement guy when it comes mm-hmm. to you know. Uh, well, especially the Games Workshop style of plastic, which it's a type of plastic called ABS. Mm-hmm. Um, but the plastic cement, it's basically just, um, oh, what is it? Um, I can't, rem- I can't remember what the chemical is right now. It's not benzene. It's, it's something in ter- it's something terribly toxic and terrible for you. Um, oh, acetone. <laughs> that's what it is. Acetone. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah plastic yeah. cement is basically acetone. And what it does yeah. is it, it, it melts the plastic, so you're you're chemically welding the two pieces of plastic mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super glue, also known as CA glue, um, and this is where the surgery uh, aspect gets gets brought up because super glue was first developed to be used as instant sutures. Yeah, in, just in glue, minor your, glue yourself shut. 
Yeah. yeah. And the thing with super glue is if you're in the hobby long enough, you will glue your hands together. It's, or glue it, your hands to something else. Or, yeah, <laughs> glue your hand to, to the piece that you're trying to glue to, to the model. Right, right. Um, or so, to, yeah, it's... To the person that you're grabbing. Yeah. What well, see, you? my thing with the super glue, so the super glue and the plastic cement argument I have all the time, obviously you can't use plastic cement to glue metal stuff. Sure. We got we understand that. But across the board, I like super glue on models because super glue isn't as permanent a bond as plastic <laughs> cement is. Yes. And if you're like me, you're constantly like, you know what, I'm just gonna change this guy's arm. I'm just gonna change this guy's weapon. And I'll pop the model in the freezer for a few minutes and get it nice and brittle and pop it right off and it's clean. If you use plastic cement, like you said, you're welding it together. Yeah. So that join is not coming apart ever again. And then you try to pop it off and you rip the dude's hand off instead, you know? I I can appreciate that <laughs> viewpoint. I am of the opinion that once I'm done with a model, it's done. You're done forever. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. Hands off. Okay. Yep. That's cool. Very final. I like that. No, I, I, <laughs> I uh, you know, it, it's just, it's just something that it's just the way I've developed, you know, once I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, for as long as I've been in the hobby, I don't have a lot of completed stuff to show for it. And so just really fin- just finishing anything. Yeah. Is, is enough for me. And I'm never going to, really? you know, is like I posted those uh, Warmaster figures uh, about a month ago that I mm-hmm. that I finished. Mm-hmm. Dan, those were literally the first models I completed in like a year and a half. Wow! Yeah, literally. I mean, you know, everybody everybody does their hobby at a different pace, and then yeah. there's people like me that have a whole army, and then a new book comes out and it makes some sort of loadout completely irrelevant, and you're like, all right, I'm about to snap all these arms off and glue new ones on. <laughs> Because I can't take Twin Link Devourers anymore on my Tyranid Warriors. Thank you very much. You know, and you just go like on a snapping spree while you're crying at the same time because your luck is just bad. <laughs> well, it's, it's what you get for chasing the meta. You know, that's you what just, I get for chasing the meta. They changed the rules, man. It wasn't me. It wasn't hey, meta. That's in your case. I think that's the best argument for Old Hammer right there. Yeah, the rule. You yeah, just, stays, the rules stay the same. You just, you just. <laughs> You know, that's the great thing about being old hammer. I might get older, but the rules are the same age. <laughs> the rules stay the same. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about... Play, um, if you want to play Tyranids, yeah. Tyrann- just stay in second edition. You're done. That, w- that was a long time ago, man. I've since reformed myself, but the models look really cool, and I keep looking at them again. <laughs> <laughs> I've played every army I, in games in in Warhammer Games Workshop games. I've played almost every army, and um, you know I'm, I'm working on that, man. I'm, I'm Fair on enough. a twelve step program. Uh, I'm coming, you know, I'm coming back. I'm making amends. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So let's talk about paint. We've got our figures assembled. Oh. We've we have debonded our skin from that from that dark Eldar web spinner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we've we've attempted to pay, uh, play put plastic arms onto a metal body with plastic cement and failed <laughs> and it didn't work it didn't work for some reason all we did was got high and uh you had to explain to our parents why the house smells bad <laughs> that's right so we got to paint these things right and we're not just gonna splosh a bunch of paint on with mm-hmm. you know just a any old brush no we we have to prime our figures first Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And basically, what priming is going to do is it's going to allow the uh, the finer 
more refined paints, if you will, that we're going to use mm-hmm. to actually put color on our miniatures to stick better. Because a primer, the primer is there to, to basically take a super smooth plastic surface and make it just a little rough. Not so much that just you can a see. Little, just so that the paint sticks onto it nice. Yeah, so it has some tooth, as they say. Tooth, yeah. I got a little grabby, a little grabby grab. Yeah, <laughs> get a little grabby grab for no, I mean, paint. There's there's a lot of different primers out there that you can mm-hmm. buy, and if you go to the game store to get your models, you're gonna see the paints, you're gonna see primers. Um, Games Workshop makes a primer, Army Painter makes a primer. Um, I am of the mind that they are overpriced Agreed. for what they are, which is the same paint that's probably in Rustoleum or you know whatever other cans are out there. I use Rustoleum uh, camouflage uh, primer paint, as do I, because it's it's super thin and it's got, they've got a range of colors. I like the tan because the colors show up on it very nice. It's a good mid-tone if you're painting light or dark. The Army Painter Games Workshop stuff, you can get the colors that like, you know, hey, I'm painting, uh, you know, Ultramarines. What's the right color for that? Hey, we got the right color in this can for you for $30. Problem solved. Yay. But like, you know, if you're doing anything else, just go buy Rust-Oleum paint or go yep. buy, you know, a different primer from Hobby Lobby, or not Hobby Lobby, from Home Depot or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, certainly not Hobby Lobby because they're a bunch of jerks. But anyway. Uh, um, yeah, it, they are insane. <laughs> yes. There, there's, a, there's a news story uh, that hit today. I, uh, I'll just stop now because I don't want to edit any further. But anyway. Um, <laughs> anyhow. Paint. I, paint. Yes, paint. Yeah, Rust-Oleum. <laughs> Um, I agree with you, Dan. The the Rustoleum they they do make a nice product. I did um, I did go to my FLGS and I did buy a can of uh, Vallejo primer, and I used it, and it's it has a nice Ooh. it has a nice effect, and it's not as nice expensive finish. as the other as the other uh, upper tier brands. So not as expensive yeah, yeah, as yeah, your yeah. GW or your Army Painter, and um, I like it. And what's really cool is it actually comes with two nozzles. Um, oh, the can came with two nozzles cool. for, I want to say it's just a slightly different effect that you get out of the different yeah. nozzles, but huh. I just forged ahead and just sprayed the heck out of, <laughs> out of the models yeah, I was no spraying kidding. with it anyway. But, um, so you got to prime them and you, you can, got to prime and you can either use uh, <laughs> spray cans, like we just mentioned, uh, also known as rattle cans by some folks, because there's a little, there's a little metal ball bearing in the, in the paint to agitate it, to mix it up. In the yeah, can, and I'm, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give your listeners uh, a, a tip here. Don't try to stab a spray can open to get the little ball out. I don't want to name any names, but someone did that when they were younger and like just had paint explode like all over them. It's very dangerous. Not a great don't idea. Don't do that. the The ball is not worth it. That's... Let the ball go. <laughs> it's it's not worth it's not worth the uh, it's not worth the effort. And I think we just. We got a window in a Dan's soul just now. <laughs> <laughs> like, aren't you curious? Like, of what that? It's like whenever you get the cans of Guinness that has the widget in there, you know, the little widget, and you're like shaking it around. You're like, man, I want that widget. What is that? And it's just like a little plastic ball. It doesn't do anything. It was the same thing with the rattle can. I'm like, man, what's in there? I need to know. I was that kid. Let me take this thing apart. <laughs> Made a mistake. Fair enough. Now, still living with it. <laughs> there are two other ways to prime your figures. One is with a brush, which is slow and tedious, Ugh. but it can be done. Ugh. And I've done it myself recently. 
Um, I wasn't a fan, but it can be done. And you can also use an airbrush. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say there is something supremely satisfying about priming a figure with an airbrush. Cause you just oh, see, sure. it, you see it in close detail. Cause you're doing, you're, you know, you're doing one at a time and mm-hmm. you're, you're applying very thin layers of paint and just the going back and forth and it's gray, it's gray, it's gray. And Oh, now it's blue. It's blue. It's blue. You know, it, Ooh, it thin, thin layers. That's where I messed up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to just, you don't just want to hose it down with a. With no, the, I just uh, held the scraping in one, in one spot and like let it drip down the model. I was like, that looks cool. <laughs> well, being a Nurgle player, that would probably work. So, you know, and that's like my whole thing. I don't even know how to paint. I'm just like, ah, it's fine. And they're like, that's amazing, Nurgle. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's Nurgle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What's what's Nurgle? <laughs> what is this Nurgle? Airbrushes are good. Yes, they are good, but I I feel like they are very complex and finicky machines yes. that take a certain level of both maturity and personal fortitude to deal with. So for beginners, I don't know if I would recommend airbrushes, but if that's what you want to get into, oh man, this they they are they're a beast. They can be a beast. Airbrushing is almost a separate hobby unto itself. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's a significant amount of, and it's kind of similar to what I'm learning right now with 3D printing. Uh, 3D uh-huh. printing is almost a hobby unto itself. Um, oh, sure. Oh, yeah. There's so there, much to learn. There's so much to learn. And I, I I would not, and just to echo what you're saying, Dan, I would not recommend starting out trying to airbrush because that, mm. that way leads madness. I would, I would. <laughs> I would I would keep to the kiss principle in, in all possible. Manner. Oh yeah, always, always. When, when you're when you're starting out, um, but the paints themselves that we use, uh, there's a number. Primarily, most people paint their gaming miniatures with acrylic paints, and mm-hmm. again, this is the, mm-hmm. one of those things where it, you know follow the kiss principle. They're easy to clean up. Uh, you just use regular tap water. Some people use distilled water. Because they want to be fancy pants, I guess. But uh-oh. most people use. Tap. What's that? I said, "Uh oh, <laughs> I got I got my jug of distilled water over here. I'm just sort of like pushing it aside, like hide the distilled water. No, it's good. It makes me feel fancy, and you know, it's. I mean, it's too. it's cheap too. I mean, it's just a you know like a dollar for a gallon, so it's not that yeah, big a deal. It's fantastic. But, um, yeah, acrylics because it's all water soluble, right? So uh-huh. you don't need uh like paint thinners, which you know harsh chemicals and things like that. When I first started, I was using like the testers, which are enamel paints, which are uh-huh. like oil based paints for like uh, scale models like planes and ships and stuff like that. And that's kind of a whole different look and application as well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's possible to paint your minis with those kind of enamels. I mean, I did it when I was, you know, 12 years old and it was terrible. But you're going to want to look for those uh, acrylic water-soluble paints because yeah. it's going to be the easiest way to go. Easy to mix, easy to clean. I mean, I mean, it's it's also you get it on yourself, and if you get it fast enough, you can clean it off your clothes and things like that a lot easier than you can an oil paint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple of key brands we need to talk about. I mentioned uh, Vallejo earlier. Uh, they have a wide range of colors and uh, different. 
uh, aspects. They have a hobby or they have a model color line, which is more mm-hmm. your muted colors for <clears throat> for military modeling. They've also got a fantasy line, which has your brighter colors. Um, Games Workshop, of course, has their own paint line. Uh, there's a number of other companies. Uh, Reaper is, has a popular line of paints. Um, let's see, who else does the dropper bottles? Uh, see, Reaper has the P3 line. Uh, Foundry, War Games, or Miniatures, yeah, War Games Foundry, which is a miniatures company based in the UK. They've got a line of paints yeah. as yeah. well. Um, well, obviously, gonna... Army Painter. They've got they've got yeah, Army Painter's good line of paints. Um, for the old hammer folks, for the folks who want to stay true to the colors that were available when, you know, second and third edition Warhammer and Rogue Trader and second edition 40k were out, there's a company called Coat Darms that makes ah. the original paint colors with different non-IP infringing, non-trademarked mm-hmm. names, mm-hmm. and they're the exact. Well, they're the exact same formula that Games Workshop produced or yeah. sold because Coat Darms is the company that made the paint for Games Workshop in those days. Ah, okay. That's uh, really cool. Yeah. And I like so that. there there is a wide range of acrylic paints. I when I was first starting out, uh, I also used the testers enamels because I didn't know any different. Um, <laughs> and there's a there's a Japanese scale model company called Tamiya and they have a mm-hmm. great line of paints as well. They have some really cool stuff. I use some of their effects paints as well. Yeah. And I'm also going to go on record, man, as saying that the store brand for like Michaels, there's these uh, paints called Americana is the name mm-hmm. of the paints. And I know, yep. you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Craft paints. Um, yep. Craft they're acrylics. Craft paints, and they're craft acrylic paints and they come in a lot of colors. And some of them are really good. Some of them I still use to this very day because the color I like so much and I, you, know, you can't find it in any other brand that doesn't make it. And a lot of them are really good. A lot of their like grays and whites aren't very great because those colors tend to take a lot more pigment to make them like suitable and, and able mm-hmm. to be used on models. But like I have this color, it's called like it's called turquoise blue, and it looks like turquoise blue, and it's the best looking blue. And I use it on all my Space Marine guys because they're Native American themed, so they have turquoise mm-hmm. and things on them. And I haven't found a color that like looks as good as this Americana brand. And I have one thing of it and it's, I've just been using it literally for like the past, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. I've had this one because I use it for like gemstones here and there, yeah. like a little pop here and there. And they're, they're perfectly usable paints. And if you're starting out and you're on a budget and you're not trying to spend like, you know, three or $4, like on a thing of paint, you can get a bunch of these for like, they're like a dollar something a piece. Like they're, yeah. And, yeah, there's, and there's, for a good amount. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple different brands. Uh, Serum Coat is one. Apple Barrel's another. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, and yep, you yep. can get these paints at Walmart. I really All like. I really like using these these types of paints for uh, painting terrain. Yes. Because I mean, you go like, through so much of it for go, terrain. Yes. You go through so much of it, and um, you can usually with terrain, most people are a little bit more slapdash is the term mm-hmm. I use in their painting mm-hmm. and you know in their painting style. And that's how how I live my life. Slapdash. And uh, it's just a great way to get a lot of color on your train piece for a lot of, for not a lot of money. 
no, absolutely. And they and they come in like larger um containers of like your your primary colors like black, white, green, red. Obviously, these brands come in like these massive containers and it's mm-hmm. like I got to paint a whole giant castle and me get some black and some white, mix myself up some gray, boom. You know, you're knocking this thing out like quick because you have all this massive thing of paint like imagine trying to buy that much citadel paint oh, <laughs> man. paint like a whole castle like who would do that that's insane absolutely yeah that 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 would not be a fun that would not be a fun use of of time or no. or resources yeah. um i will say dollars later <laughs> yeah, i will say one thing um since we since we did mention the the gw paints they do have a yeah, couple yeah, yeah. of um they've got a, a line of what are called contrast paints Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which, yeah. Which are great, and for a for a beginning painter, I mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily recommend them to a very first starting out painter. I would recommend them to someone who has at least painted a few figures to figure out how to hold the brush to get the <laughs> paint where they want it to go. Because yeah. when you think about it, uh, the the contrast paints are are designed to get a darker tone in the recesses and a lighter tone on the raised surfaces. And you've got Mm -hmm. to be careful about how you use your brush to get that effect. And I think if someone was trying to use those as like a regular paint, they're going to be disappointed. And I don't want anybody walking away from this podcast to be disappointed. So I'm just a little, little warning there. Um, (laughs) Don't dive into contrast. If it's the first miniature that you've ever painted is all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, and there, there's a certain level of like, you know, I used to teach a painting class at my, my local game store. So I'm always very much like, let's work on like, like some standard techniques that you can apply to everything. And then once you kind of learn some of the rules, then you can bend, then you can break mm-hmm. them. Right. Right. And contrast is very much one of those things. Like once you've got a handle on, like you said, how to hold the brush, like what size brush am I going to use? Like, how do I get the paint where I want it to go? How do I get it to flow in a certain way? Then you can bust out the contrast paint, which is a great, super flowy high contrast paint that if you spill the red on you you will look down and think that you are bleeding and have cut yourself because it is just like (laughs) everywhere (laughs) and it looks exactly like blood but um you know like speaking of painting and paint let's talk about paint brushes like what kind of paint brushes should people be getting here um i would start out i would start out with um just craft brushes that they can get Mm -hmm. that a person could get at walmart or michael's and mm-hmm. um, because they're cheap and they they provide good enough results, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm I'm all about good enough, right? And oh, story of my life. I I am, <laughs> I am all so, about. So my wife said on our wedding day. So you know, I I feel you, man. <laughs> I uh, I, I'm I'm definitely there. There's a synthetic type. There's a synthetic material. I want to say it's called Daclon or Taclon or something like that. That some of these brushes yeah, are yeah. made out of. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Just get yourself a hobby. You know, get yourself a, a hobby combo of those. A couple of different sizes in the combo. You know, you get six, seven brushes mm-hmm. for like eight, nine, ten bucks. Yeah, and yeah. Just to get started, it, it does. You don't have to spend a lot of money to get started. Uh, yeah. I know that Games Workshop has a couple of different starter paint sets, some of which actually include mm-hmm. a couple models. That might be a great yep. way to start right there. You yeah, know, just... absolutely. And they come with brushes and paints a lot of times now, too. Yeah. Yeah. And these starter mm-hmm. sets, they do have smaller smaller jars of paint. I call them jars. I know it's cool to say pot. But I just can't. <laughs> it, 
it doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. It's, um, it's a pot. Smaller, <laughs> smaller containers of paint. How about that? Um, and they're exactly what you think they're they are. They're there to get you started. Yeah, <clears throat> and, yeah, uh, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't last you very long. But I used to live on those bags of assorted brushes that you get at like Michaels or the you know hobby stores. Like I would just go like every once in a while, pick up a bag, and like you know for the price you don't feel so bad whenever you're like super rough on them or you mm-hmm. start like dry brushing with it because dry brushing is a technique that would quickly ruin your brushes, you know, but now of course I have like a lot more high price brushes and I, I swear to God, they make me paint better. But like I go back to where I started and I, I remember being feeling very free about it. Like now, like if there's a little bit too much paint on my brush, I'm like freaking out. Right. I'm like, Oh, I got to clean it off. Cause so it doesn't like get down in there. But these, those brushes back in the day, I'm like, I'm jamming the whole like brush into the paint, you know, <laughs> like just yeah. crazy with it. And you can do that because you got a whole bag full of the damn things. And I think that's a really healthy way to approach your hobby. Like have fun with it. Don't feel like uh, constrained by the tools that you have. Like, Oh, it's too nice. I can't mess up this brush. No, man, just get you some cheap brushes, jump into it, have a good time. The brush goes wonky, toss it out, throw it across the room, grab another one out of the bag and keep going, man. Yeah. That, that's and using that type of brush has really allowed me also now that my son is getting interested in it in, in mm-hmm. the hobby um mm-hmm. are you are you familiar with the big chungus the big chungus um i should i should i be as i might should i be scared of that i i don't know <laughs> big, if for those who don't know big chungus is basically a fat bugs bunny like a okay um there's an early early bugs bunny cartoon where uh-huh. elmer fudd's hunting them and he, you know, Bugs observes Elmer saying something to himself, and then he walks off screen, and then Bugs comes up behind him and morphs into Elmer's shape. And, you know, <laughs> this is so ridiculous. And, and he mocks Elmer and then immediately turns back to his regular shape. Well, that uh-huh, uh-huh. Elmer-shaped Bugs Bunny... has gained a life some 70 years after that one throwaway joke amazing and the internet has called him big chungus i'm looking this up now okay yeah that's gonna be a whole thing now i'm into it so so my son joey aka the junior war gamer he he asked me to 3d print him a chungus oh yes okay awesome so i three and the pictures are up on twitter i uh so I printed one for him, and he painted him. He had a grand time, and he did a pretty good job. I mean, it's his first completely yeah. painted figure, and because yeah. he's kind of dabbled from time to time, but never really completed anything. But this is his first completed figure, right? And oh man, that's great! That's awesome! I'm so proud of you. Good job! And then like 20 minutes later, I hear, ah! <laughs> and the dog had gotten underfoot of him. Oh, and. <laughs> Joey dropped the chungus and he and the chungus oh, no. right on its ears and the ears snapped off. Oh. So uh, so I printed Joey a new one. That's the great thing about 3D yeah. printing. You can just print oh, yeah. another one. Pop a new one out. Yeah, that's and, amazing. And Joey painted that one and he did an even better job on the second one. So yeah. anyway, yeah. all yeah. that to say that Joey's just thrashing my brushes, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but that also kind of brings it around to like the first point that we were making where, you know, you you can find anything that you're interested in to get into the hobby of mini right. painting 
and wargaming. Like sometimes it's you know Space Marines, sometimes it's Big Chungus, you know, whatever yeah. it is. That's the thing that draws you in and makes you interested to do it. And like, you know, he he's learning paint and painting techniques while painting mm-hmm. something that he really likes and like speaks to him, and that's awesome. Yeah, and and he's he's wanting he's wanting me to get into. 3d modeling like making our own 3d models so that oh okay can, cool. so you can have an army of big chunguses with rocket launchers and assault rifles i mean i really want this to happen <laughs> i'm willing to bankroll it i will give you my credit card number right now we require big chungus army i mean oh i love that kind of thing i love that sort of creativity that people bring to the hobby when yeah. they inject something of themselves into it and i think that's important for beginners to think about as well it's like okay, the model comes a certain way, right? But it doesn't have to stay that way. You can convert a model, like pull off a hand and put a different hand on there that's doing something different. Like you can do all these cool things with the tools that we talked about. You know, you can snip the arm off with your your little jeweler saw or and then file it flat and then put the other hand on there and then glue something wacky onto it or, you know, use plastic cement to sort of like... uh, shape something weirdly and sort of pull it out so it becomes these sort of tendrils there's like all kind of different things you can do with all the tools and materials we have and it you aren't stuck into this box of making it exactly what it looks like you know on the cover you know you can do whatever you want i i think i think the the short version of that the tldr of this (laughs) make make your models your models yeah, 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 yeah. And and whether that's, you know, and cuz what did Joey do with the first the first earless chungus? He <laughs> he repainted it. He yep. repainted it into I don't know what, but he's now chungus is blue <laughs> and has a big red 7 on his chest. Yes. It's amazing. You know, and I think if we're doing, you know, if we're doing this podcast about beginners, I think that's something very important that we need yes. to tell people that are getting into the hobby is there's no rules to this like you may go to the store and people are like well you got to do it this way you got to do it that way but no no there's there's no rules yep absolutely none we'll we'll take a page from old frank sinatra and i did it my way you know yeah um, absolutely absolutely and that's that's the great thing because your hobby is your hobby and no one can tell you mm-hmm. how to enjoy your hobby you know true they and, try though <laughs> well, they will try <laughs> But at the end of the day, if, if you know, I, I've run games at plenty of different conventions, um, and mm-hmm. I've I have not had anyone say anything like this to me. But there mm-hmm. have there are anecdotes out there of people taking games to conventions, especially historical games, unfortunately, and somebody mm-hmm. commenting on a quote unquote incorrect color on a uniform or a quote unquote incorrect yeah, yeah, color yeah, yeah. On a flag or what have you. So yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's your hobby, it's your game, you know, and yeah, absolutely. I, I think we could go back and forth, you know, on on variations on this theme, but at the end of the day, you know, it has to hold your interest. And if it doesn't hold your interest and it's not it's not your hobby, you know, you mm-hmm. need to find mm-hmm. and and that's okay, you know. Yeah. You know, you know, the I'm I'm not particularly a fan of 40k. I know you are. I'm not a particular fan of Age of Sigmar. I know you are. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I'm not a particular fan of the modern iteration of yeah, 40k. No. Yeah, no, like yeah, I mean, you, if you can, but that's also part of the hobby is being engaged 
to it at different levels. Right. You know, and, and as beginners, like, I think that's something too. And I, and I try to in, endorse this is like, you do it the way you want to do it. Like if you want to just build the models, cool. That's part of the hobby. If you want to like play the game and maybe not paint your models so much. I mean, to me, that's kind of lame, but that's also a thing that you can do. Or if you just want to read the books, you're also a part of the hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you're involved in that space with those same people that sort of enjoy the stories, you know, whatever universe it is that you're playing in, that you're in that hobby. So, you know, like when you go to the game store and you're looking at the models and you're looking at the paints and all the tools and the things, you're like, how do I get started with this? You could just buy a book and read it. Mm -hmm. Now you're in the hobby. You're starting off. You're still in the hobby. You know what I mean? There's so many avenues to entry. It doesn't have to be any like secret formula of all the things that you need. These are things that we recommend that we talked about today, but in the, in overall, there's nothing that you really need. Right. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And, and it is, it is a great hobby overall. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I've met so many great people, uh, either oh, man. In, yeah, in, in real life or virtually like, you know, Dan, I'm, I'm, we haven't actually met in real life, but I do consider you a friend no. and no, yeah, you're my homie dude. And, <laughs> uh, I've met a, tons of great people and, you know, I, I, I look for those folks that are out there lifting each other up you know, giving encouragement, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. being cool with each other, you know, being inclusive, you know, mm-hmm. and because it is we a big like fan, we want, you know, I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you, but <laughs> you're like me. You want to see as many people get into this hobby as possible because oh, yeah. when we have yeah. more people in the hobby, that means there are more people supporting all the companies, big and small, to mm-hmm. help, you know, bring out new products and new, new ways to have fun. You know? Yeah. And, and it's just, it's a way to connect with other people too. Like at its, at its core, a game that you play by, I mean, there's solo games. That's really kind of boring and sad to me, but like every other game is you play with another person. And that's the whole idea of it is like a connection with somebody else. Right. Right. So, and then beating them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Uh, it says the guy that loses like pretty much like 90% of my games. I'm like on this crazy losing streak right now, but um, you know, I still have fun. I laugh about it. I tell the story and then, you know, yeah. it's, it's just kind of, that's if, how it is, man. But we still have fun. Yeah. And I, I don't keep track of wins and losses or anything like that. Like, unless it's against my brother and <laughs> <laughs> cause you got to, you got to, but yeah, uh, man, there's, there's somebody, we, we all have a nemesis. <laughs> Um, I, I would like to say that the inclusion that I've seen mm-hmm. recently and the imagination I've seen recently, mm-hmm. um, with folks bringing their own, uh, bringing their own viewpoint to the game or to the hobby yeah, and bringing yeah. their own, uh, perspective has been really rewarding and, oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. And I, it's, this has come up recently because there is a I, – I can only hope it's an extremely vocal but extremely small minority of people mm-hmm. that want to gatekeep and keep certain aspects oh. of the population out of the quote-unquote yeah. hobby. I don't yeah. have time for that. You know? And if, if you are – Agreed. 
you know, if, if you are a person that's listening to this podcast and you think, well, I only think people like me should be into this hobby because, you know, whatever reason, I, I would just assume you not listen to my podcast anymore or follow me on Twitter <laughs> or, or what have you. Ooh, so, up. yeah, phone's blown up. Um, but I think that's a really good point if we're talking about, like, you know, beginners, like people getting started in the hobby. I think there's more of a openness about the hobby in general right now because like how you know as we as we're progressing as a society and we're finding that people have varied interests varied beliefs varied um uh, you know associations and Mm -hmm. varied uh identities that we do need to like encompass all that and then there's people that maybe have been sort of like marginalized before and haven't felt comfortable maybe going into a game store let alone Mm -hmm. playing a game but now there's so much more like openness about it that we do have a lot more beginners in the game than we've ever had before. Yeah. Like I truly believe that like we're really reaching across a lot of aisles and pulling a lot of people together. And I think that's awesome. And that's I hope great. they listen to this and, and think, yeah, you know, this couldn't, this is not so difficult. Like go grab me some Americana paints from Walmart and go grab a bag of brushes and I can do this thing. Like I Absolutely. can be a part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would say, um, the the explosion of tabletop gaming, not just miniatures gaming, but tabletop gaming in, in general over the last couple of years has been great. Yeah. And oh yeah. I, and I want to see more inclusion. I want to see more diversity. I want to see more perspectives. Um, and and Dan, I w- I want to thank you personally for being one of the torch bearers, one of the banner bearers for that. Um, it's what I do, man. It's yeah. What I do. I'm just trying to bring all kind of people into this into the hobby area see them across the table, shake their hand, and then just beat the shit out of them in the game. Like, just beat them mercilessly. No, I'm joking. I, I just, you know, it's it's a connection. It's a good, this is, this, is, this is who I am. Like, I'll have a good time with you. You can just be beating the crap out of me, and I will still just be tr- making jokes and having a good time. Yeah. But I want everybody to experience, like, that thrill of, like, a massive, you know, win or, like, mm-hmm. a defeat, you know, like, victory sort of, like, ripped from your clutches, and you're just going to tell this story, like, to everyone that you meet, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you believe, what you identify as, you're going to have these crazy stories, and you're going to want, you know, and it's exciting, it's fun, it's funny, yeah. it's silly, it's a ridiculous game, if you think about it this whole hobby is just it's ridiculous we're painting little plastic men and we're pushing them around and we're rolling dice and we're cracking up like we just farted in the bathtub i mean we're just having like a nutso time with it and i i think everybody should be a part of that yeah everybody i i agree 100 yeah. percent um I, I think i think that's a pretty good place to to leave off for now i let's I leave will... off for now I will say this, we'll, we'll go through some, I've got some recommendations for some folks that you could look for on YouTube, um, for them. who's got, and they've all got some great tips for beginners. So let's start. Um, we'll start with uncle Adam, uh, the tabletop minions. Uh, oh, okay. Very good. He's, he's got uh, a great, great series of videos. He's doing one video every Friday and then every other Sunday he does a live stream uh, lots of great stuff on painting, on, you know, the hobby in general, you know, are you investing too much time or money or effort into the hobby? You know, that's, he, he's, he's the thinking man's hobbyist. I like to say, cause he really, he, yeah. he really produces some very thoughtful videos 
on, you know, what it is that we're doing, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, why are we doing what we're doing? You know? And, Very interesting. Um, yeah. And really get, you know, he talked in one video that really hit, hit for me was relatively early one in, in his uh, YouTube career. He, he said, you know, there's a, in his father-in-law's house, there's this beautifully hand calligraphied or handwritten note or sign that he had above a door that said, the price of perfection is prohibitive. And, you know, you think about that and it goes, mm. and, he, and then he talks about like the psychology of painting or getting, starting to paint. And, you know, you can boil it down to, you know, perfect is, you know, perfect is the enemy of good enough. Right. Yep. Yep. And, yep. uh, it's, it's great to, you know, it's great to try to achieve perfection, but you can't let it scare you into not starting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just by way of example. So that's the type of stuff that Adam has. Plus he also has some really mm -hmm. great painting videos. Um, sometimes they're co-hosted with a guy by the name of Sam Lenz, who is a, uh, crystal brush, uh, winner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very Crystal cool. Brush is the uh, painting contest at uh, Adepticon, which is a large convention held in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. It's a nice high, it's a very nice high profile painting competition. As it well. is. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I'll have a link to the Tabletop Minions YouTube page as well as the uh, list of videos specifically with tips for new painters. Um, another guy that is all about getting new folks into the hobby and about getting people started is a dude named Troy. I forget his last name, but he goes by Sonic Sledgehammer on the YouTube. Uh, Sonic Sledgehammer. Yeah. Um, he has a whole series of how I paint things and they're science fiction, they're fantasy, they're historical. And um, I'd like to get him on the show sometime. Cause he seems like a really nice guy. Um, he was actually to interject. He was actually like the second or third guest I had on my podcast. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, well, I'm sure. I'm sure. I listened to it. I I listened to all your episodes, especially the early no, ones. I listened to all of I'm them. I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, I'm one of your early episodes. That's true. <laughs> hey, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, I forgot to ask. Well, hold on a second. I'll ask. I'll ask one one odd question when when we wrap oh, up. I, I, I'll give you an odd answer. Yeah. It's good. Okay. <laughs> and then the last one I want to talk about. And again. Uh, Adam from Tabletop Minions has been a guest on this show before, mm -hmm. but also Duncan mm -hmm. Rhodes Painting Academy. Duncan Rhodes uh, was yeah. a Games Workshop studio painter, and then he became their painting uh, presenter on YouTube, and now he, he split off and has created his own painting academy. Um, and he's just a heck of a nice guy. I really enjoyed my yeah. conversation with him, um, and he's got a great series of videos. Again, he is branching off from not just GW stuff. So he's painting fantasy, science fiction, historical stuff. Um, really, really recommend checking Duncan's, uh, Duncan's video series out on the YouTube. And Absolutely. those links will be in the show notes. Yeah. So Dan, one, one last question. Yeah, before, go for it. Shoot for, before we say adieu. Before and, we say sayonara. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, what is your favorite paint color? my favorite paint color oh you know it's changed over the years but i'm gonna have to go with um mephiston red oh yeah because i there's very few colors like this one that just layer over each other so well like you could just paint a whole model with only mephiston red 
and it would look amazing. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> you could do like Mephiston Red, maybe some Nuln Oil, and then just layer Mephiston Red on top of Mephiston Red on top of Mephiston Red, and it would be like gorgeous because it's like the most like gorgeous red color there is. And I love it so much. I put it on toast in the morning. It's fantastic. <laughs> it can do no wrong. I'm thinking about leaving my wife for Mephiston Red. Like, absolutely, it's like the best thing ever. Yeah, I love it. So go get you some if you don't have some already, because it's just, like, literally the deepest, like, sexiest red there is. Um, since you mentioned red, I will say one one technique, one trick that I picked up, because I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of dry brushing. Um, yeah. If you Works want great. a a deep red mm-hmm. or at least a, a well-worn looking red when you are, mm-hmm. when you're, if you're using a dry brushing technique, dry brush red over Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that really works for, especially for like red leather. If you're doing like red leather, it mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. looks nice. So there's like a, a whole, like uh train of like the train of thought on that is also like painting colors over contrasting colors like if you paint red over blue like it, it kind of like accentuates the red a little bit so there's there's a whole we could go on another tangent about that yeah, <laughs> yeah james james wapple is a is a guy that's kind of champions oh. champions yeah. that technique and he's um, amazing he's he amazing. amazing yeah I'd, I'd like yeah. to have him on the show sometime but i I normally don't get that far down in the weeds in the hobby aspect, but right, right. And he's one of those guys that doesn't even look like he's trying, and then he's just like, eh, "Let me put a little bit of this and smudge it with my thumb." Boom! And you're like, "Wow, that's amazing! <laughs> yeah. How did he do that?" Absolutely yeah, crazy. So good. Do you have one one last one last bit of advice? One f- final shot, one parting shot. What do you got? My parting shot. Uh, find your own style, find your own voice. Don't try to make it look like it looks like on the box. Figure out the way you paint, what speaks to you and how you want it to look. And don't it, listen to advice, but don't feel like you have to take every last bit of it. Find your own style. I love it. That's great. Yep. yep. And like, yep. And here's the TLDR. <laughs> <laughs> make, make your Make your models yours, right? That's right. So, I mean, we could we could TLDR this whole podcast and just be like, Dan just said crazy stuff. Find your own voice. Yep. <laughs> Dan, thanks so much again for coming back to the Veteran Wargamer Show. I appreciate yeah, man. it. Love it. Anytime. Anytime you need someone to be nonsensical and cackle in your ear for half uh, an hour and a half, man, call me up. <laughs> <laughs> we w- we will get that game in sometime. I just sent yes. you. I just sent you ver- today. In fact parts for yes. a 15 millimeter sized old school predator imperial tank old school do it, man. cannon in the turret two last cannons and sponsons and Sick. uh once once gonna... we, once you get that painted up we'll uh, we'll get together and we'll play uh yeah. we'll play a tank game yeah, yeah i'm painted on my stream i'm excited about it good good yes so again thanks a lot dan um folks if you haven't if you haven't been listening to the Lonely Havocs podcast, a link will be in the show notes. Um, Dan has his own has his own take on the gaming podcast where he gets folks from around the hobby, and sometimes they're famous, sometimes they're not. And but it's always a good show because he he really dives down into what makes that person tick, and he asks them twenty odd questions, and it's never the same yep, question, yep. or it's never the same 
always the same 20 questions. They're, they just got a palette. <laughs> I mix it up. Fuel. We mix it a, up. <laughs> got a palette of what, like 200, 300 questions? Uh, it's like it's a stupid amount of questions. Yeah. And, the, you know, there's some staple ones I stick in there, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it tends to be lighthearted. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, what's your favorite paint color? What's the best model you've ever painted? Uh, what's the worst thing that ever happened to you? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, so we just, <laughs> we run the gamut from lighthearted to serious introspective stuff. And we learn a lot about people. Yeah, and that that's what I like about it is that it's not and I said this the last time you're on on my show it's it's not just oh what list are you running right now you know it's yeah uh, yeah it, it's not you know, you're me. really it's really getting to know the people that are in the hobby because at the end of the day that's that's what makes any hobby is the people right so yeah and that's that's what I love most about the hobby is people so Dan again thank you very much I appreciate it I look forward <laughs> yes, to sir. gaming with you in real life sometime and seeing each other Let's on the twitters it. and on the facebook and all that good stuff and uh keep fighting the good fight man I will thanks for having me on Oh uh, you're very welcome thanks for coming on and as always if the war gaming you're having isn't any fun you make it fun that is all The Veteran Wargamer is copyright J. Arnold 2021. Music courtesy of freemusicarchive.org.